and, re and return it on just when you get curious. <laughs> is, it, is it good already or? Yeah, it's great. Okay. Yes, so I, I was saying that I, I think I, I, I comprehend what you're saying and I also comprehend that that is the issue, but uh, it seems that like, so the way I observe things is that I want, I see myself wanting or like I notice that that is the issue and therefore I want to do something about it, but doing something about it is also the issue because it kind of. It's almost like I a catch 22, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's it's um guess what? The Buddha figured that out. And that's the main teaching of the Buddha that Western Buddhism is missing. Okay. There is something missing. In fact, there's two things that are missing. Okay. And so that means that without these things, it's almost like uh uh having a a, a horse cart without any horses and we don't know why the horse cart don't just giddy up and go sure yes <laughs> yes where in fact in a way you have to understand that you've got to be one of the horses sure yes okay in other words we got to put some skin in the game that's yes. the problem number one that i was telling you that there are two things that Western Buddhism is missing. One of them, Mahasi got right. And there's one also that Mahasi is missing. But the Tasutas are clear, and Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa talks about them both. And number one, I will use, because the student just told me this recently, he used the reference of having skin in the game. Okay. Okay. Uh, in the sense that um, an example would be talking about noting. Well, so what? So if you note it, let us say that you're standing on a road and you see a truck bearing right down on you. Maybe it's even sounding his horn. What are you going to do? I can see three possibilities. One, like most meditators, you're going to sit there and let that harmful thought run right over you. Okay. This is all noting. Note that thought well, because it's going to run right over you, and then it's going to be gone. Yeah. All right. The other way of doing it is to pull a Popeye. You know Popeye the sailor man with this uh, can of spinach? Yes, yes, yes. These are the Jana dudes. They're the ones that are putting their great big fist out trying to stop that truck. And they just get run over, too. Yeah. All right. And then there's a third way to do it, and that's one with right effort. One is taking no effort at all to get out of the way. You just see the truck hit him. In fact, he'd probably be better off if he didn't even see the truck and just let it run over him, which is sure. what ordinary people are. But now yes. he's a meditator, which means he's paying attention. He's watching what's happening, yes. and it just runs right over him anyway. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he wonders what happened. Yes. <laughs> but there's a third option. And that third option is to step out of the way, get off the road. Yes. Yeah. And then the truck goes, and there it's gone. It's gone. 
Okay. Okay. This is the normal way that I introduce Anapanasati. But another way of introducing it is talking about it in the sense of the definition of the Buddha when he is actually defining what is one's right effort. And then we'll talk about it in Sanapanasati. Okay. One's right effort can only be done when there is enough sati to pay attention. To sati is actually to remember. And once we remember, number two is we take a look. We, we, if, if you want to use the word note, you can do that, okay? Because it's gotten quite popular. Now, yes. I want to make sure that yes. we're not talking about sticky notes and post-it notes and notes that yes. you write down and, all, and noting in, in the sense of telling yourself a long story, but noting in the sense, ah, I saw that. Yes. Okay. Instant things happen very quickly, so we begin to note very quickly this is a skill to wake up and look to wake up and look is uh samaditi one's right view and samasati together to wake up and take a look and then we add a third ingredient and that third ingredient is right effort samaviria right effort you have to take the effort what is the right effort the Buddha says, one, first off, one's right effort is the effort to have one's right view, to see right view is right view, and wrong view is wrong view, and to change it from right view to wrong view, or from wrong view to right view. Yes, <laughs> yes. And also, sati, that one's right effort is to build sati so that it's fast and strong. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's one's right effort with those three. Now we add the fourth ingredient, and I'll add it now, and then later we'll talk about it in detail, and that is Samai Sankapa, which actually means, um, it's actually translated as either right intention or right thought, but a better way to look at it is right attitude. If you've got the right attitude, you'll have the right thought. If you don't have the right attitude, you'll have the wrong thoughts. This is the right thought and right attitude Sankapa. So at this point in the instant when we wake up, then Ron's right effort is to remove unwholesome thoughts and to put in wholesome thoughts. Now, these are those two things that we were talking about. One is the right effort to actually do something. And then the second is, what is it that needs to be done? And that is that you have to remove unwholesome thoughts and put wholesome thoughts in the mind. The Buddha was... Absolutely clear about that in numbers of suttas. This is why he talks about the hindrances, that we have to be well secluded from the hindrances. Yes. Is number yes. one. Yes. For we ever sukha or pity or applied and sustained thought or any other jhana factors, absolutely number one is we have to have all unwholesome thoughts out of the mind. Yes. And have only wholesome thoughts in the mind. Yes. Which takes some effort to do. Certainly, yes. And the noting system of Mahasi does not do either one of those things. Yes. It does neither take the effort to remove those thoughts, nor do they know what thoughts are to be removed. Because they're not taught that unwholesome thoughts are dukkha, and therefore need to be removed before we do anything. That we have to be able to get the mind pure enough 
so that you only have one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought. Mm -hmm. In Sutta number 19 in the Majjhima Nikaya, there is a sutta by the name of, guess what, two kinds of thoughts. Okay. It is actually defining wholesome and unwholesome. Unwholesome thoughts are thoughts of, uh, that are kind of ignorant in the sense of thoughts of wanting things, thoughts of trying to fix things, thoughts of what's good and thoughts of what's bad, mm -hmm. and all of those kind of thoughts, which we could, we could call them critical thoughts. Okay. Thoughts to fix broken things, thoughts of comparisons, thoughts of danger and what we can do to get out of danger. Mm -hmm. These are unwholesome thoughts, thoughts of harming. On the other kind on the side are wholesome thoughts. And what are wholesome thoughts? Thoughts of everything is okay, nowhere to go, nothing to do, everything is all right, I can do this, no worries, mm -hmm. no place to go, nothing to do. The spring comes and the grass grows by itself. That's Japanese haiku. Those guys know what they're talking about. But we're not talking about no place to go and nothing to do as a life's goal. We're talking about how to handle this very moment. Mm -hmm. I've now. done everything that I need to do. My job is done. The only job that I needed to do was to remove the unwholesome thoughts. And now that the unwholesome thoughts are gone, I've done all the work I need to do. Okay. And so I can congratulate myself. You've done a good job there. You feel good, don't you? And in fact, that's exactly what happens is now when you have done this step, by the way, in Anapanasati Sutta, this is called gladdening the mind. Mm -hmm. To refresh the mind, to brighten the mind. If we don't brighten the mind with these wholesome thoughts, then we're weighed down with unwholesome thoughts and we're not going to make much progress. Mm -hmm. If we really wake up to these unwholesome thoughts, we'll have some sort of dark night of the soul of misery and despair and uh, fearfulness. Let's see, step five is fear. Step six is misery. Step seven yes. is... it's uh, uh, quite a lot of... <laughs> yes. Right, that's hindrances. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which well, means that that stuff does not belong way up there at the level of doubt. That stuff belongs right down there at the point of purifying the mind. As soon as you see that unhappiness, that misery, throw it out. As soon as you see that disgust, throw it out. Take the opportunity, mm -hmm. take that determination yeah. right then in that very moment. Redouble your efforts and throw that stuff out right now. Yes. Because you're not going to make any progress on the path until you do. Yes. It's almost like thinking of um, uh, a hindrance in the mind is like a, a, rocket in, uh, a rock in the pocket. You're not going to be able to swim much with a rock in your pocket, not a big one. Right. Better to take those clothes off or get that rock out of your pocket. Otherwise, so you go down with that rock. So, the way, uh, how does one do, how does one do that change from unwholesome to wholesome? Is it just by applying uh, awareness to it, mindfulness to it, notice, noticing it, and then uh, kind of like, oh, I noticed that I'm having unwholesome thoughts, and then I switch them to wholesome thoughts. 
Yeah, you can have that kind of long thought process. The Buddha had a very short one. This is a very famous statement of the Buddha. You probably heard it before and didn't know how to apply it. And that yeah. is the very statement that he made when he was figuring this stuff out, sitting under the bow tree. Now, I'm not going to go into that story right now, but there was a time when he was figuring out the teacher Samapada and the Four Noble Truths, and he stumbled across something important. And he kept it. Okay. Five words. He said, aha, I see you, Mara. Okay. Have you not heard that phrase before? I have. What do you think it means? It means, aha, I see an unwholesome thought in the mind. I got you. Aha, I caught you. Yes. Okay. okay. Now, normally in the mind, it's very much like this, that the thought process or the world or whatever we mire that we want to talk about, and now we're thinking about it. By thinking about it, what that means is we are already, in a way, attached to it. It's in the mind. There it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, but when we wake up in sati and we take a look at what's going on, then what happens is, aha, I see you, Myra, which means now we've made a separation. I am not that thought. But that thought is unwholesome, and I see it as unwholesome. Mm -hmm. By having the next thought moment from this to this, is a change, a major change. That's how you do it, is that little phrase will work. Aha, I see you, Myra. What's the very first statement that you're going to make when you wake up? What would be a good mantra for you? And I'm not talking about all the famous ones. There's something that really works. The Buddha gave the, the little mantra, aha, I see you, Myra. Got ya, caught ya. And that's a gladdening thought. Because it goes from here to here. That's a separation. We've actually separated. We are not the thought now. Before, yes. we were under the delusion, I am this thought. Now we can say, aha, I see you. Yes, there's the recognition of the thought. Mm -hmm. That is separate that, from. So it's not just, aha, I see you. Aha, I see you. Aha, I see you. Oh, I see you. That's not the way to practice. No, we've got to take that right effort of, aha, I see you. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. This is the right way to practice. It is a wake-up call. You've got to wake up to the dukkha in your mind, wake up to the unwholesome thoughts in your mind, and intentionally get a small list of words that are wholesome for you, gladden your mind, put you at rest, puts you at peace. Mm -hmm. Now, normally what's happening is, is that because people have intermittent good and bad or wholesome and unwholesome thoughts, it's almost like that there's a faucet in the brain that turns on adrenaline, turns it off, leaks it out, a little bit leak, and then it turns it back off again, and a second or two later, it turns it back on. And so we wind up being restless, thinking that there's a job to do, we have anxiety, we have fears, we have tensions, and there's some place to go and something to do. And we can mm -hmm. feel it down in, not into our bones, but beyond that even deeper. Yes, very visceral. Right. And that is because of the kind of thoughts that we have. If we start giving ourselves very nurturing thoughts, rather than these critical thoughts that are giving us work to do, judgments to make, rights and wrongs to call, 
now we can just accept everything in the sense of giving ourselves nurturing thoughts. So I want to be dangerous about this uh, Western uh, Buddhism term of acceptance because they've got it all wrong. They think that they have to accept a whole bunch of shit. Mm. No, we want to throw the shit out. That's the whole point. We don't want to accept all of these hindrances in the mind. We want to get ourselves out of critical thinking into a state of nurturing so that now what we're accepting is feeling really good. That's what we're going to accept. Feeling euphoric, that's what we're going to accept. Being able to apply the mind into the wholesome, that's something we're going to accept. And also being able to sustain the mind in the wholesome. That's what we're going to accept. Okay. Right? These are first jhana factors. Those are the things that we're going to accept, and those are the things that we're going to note. Those are the things that we're going to look at. And we're not going to get unwholesome things because the mind doesn't have any unwholesome things right now. Because as soon as things are unwholesome and we see it, out they go. Aha, I saw you. Yes. Okay. So, back to Sutta number 19, where the Buddha was talking about two kinds of thoughts. He tells a story. And the story is of a cowherd. Now, we're not talking about drovers on uh, the Chisholm Trail moving from Texas to Kansas City or anything like that by the tens of thousands. We're talking about an Indian cowherd. He may have four, five, half a dozen as many as he can manage. Yes. And he's taking them out to the pasture, and he's got a stick because he knows that he's got to pass through a village, and there he's going to have to mind those cows strongly to keep them from stepping on children or from taking food off a food stall or for doing some kind of damage. Mm-hmm. Just like the meditator sits down, and the first thing he's got to do is start getting his cows in, in order. He's got to take that stick and whack them, okay? This is one's right effort now is to whack those uh, uh, unwholesome thoughts. Aha, I see you. In other words, the cow, you cannot go there. I'm going to whack you to keep you from going there because going there is very dangerous. If that cow starts taking stuff from that uh, food stall or steps on a child or goes rambling into somebody's house, those villagers are going to get really unhappy and the cow herd may lose his cows. So it's him. He's got to perform. He's got to get his cows in line. But once he's got them in line and they're all performing correctly and there's no hindrances there, he leads them through the village out to the pasture where now they'll graze on the stubble and the uh, the stalks of the rice that's left around. And from there, he doesn't have to work so hard because now they're all in a wholesome state. Mm-hmm. So now he doesn't really have to stand right there with them, whacking them. They've all got their heads to the ground. They're all comfortable and happy. And so the cowherds can actually go down and sit under a tree. Mm -hmm. This would be then the analogy of the first jhana. Is it now that we've got all the cows in line and every thought's a wholesome thought, we can relax. Mm -hmm. One wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought. So this is the basic goal. Now, once we get into that state of one wholesome thought after another and the wholesome thoughts are gladdening of the mind and allowing us to actually feel like 
the cows are all happy now. They're grazing and they're all wholesome. I really can sit out and relax. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the entire teaching of the of the Buddha is going from dukkha to dukkha naroda. You've heard that phrase. Yes. Okay. So we're going from one level of dukkha to dukkha naroda, another level of dukkha to dukkha naroda, another level of dukkha to dukkha naroda, on down. So this whole practice gets more and more peaceful, more and more relaxation, more and more easygoing, more and more satisfying, more and more joyful. Yes. As we progress. Yes. But until we make this first step of getting the mind in a wholesome state, we're not going to make much progress. So isn't 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 that that entire process just what one does when we notice that our mind is wondering or thinking about some goal to achieve or then the next thought was aha I see you yes and How then we. And then the next thought after that would be, wow, I'm glad that thought's gone. Now I don't have to think about that anymore. Well, isn't, isn't, uh, well, my understanding was that once we caught that our mind is wandering into all these things, that we returning it, we return it to the object of meditation, like the breath or something. Um, Yes, which means... And in normal circumstances, when you return to the breath, you're not even doing that correctly. And so the mind will just wander away again. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, I can um, keep the mindfulness of the breath for a while. But then, like, after a while, it goes back. And then is the entire process again and again and again and again. Yeah for maybe 50, 60 years, and then somebody says, stop this meditation, I need therapy. Sure, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, yes. Okay. Uh, Why is that? Is because when people return to note the breath, they're not doing it with right effort. Okay. And in fact, right effort of the breath will help you understand that if you take the right effort with the breath, then you can take the right effort with the mind. And if you can take right effort with the mind, then you can take right effort with the feelings. But actually, that's the easy part once you got over taking care, taking control of the mind. Yes. Making the mind wholesome. Okay. Now, with the breathing, also, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa and uh, Mahasi agree on this. In fact, the language that Mahasi uses is, is that you have to fall on, jump on, seize, and confront the object of meditation. Okay. People don't do that. They note instead. What does that mean? It means basically to take over, to take control, to seize the breath, to own it in the sense of take an operation. That basically what's going on is, is that the, uh, the reptilian part of the brain, the um, anterior cortex, no, wait a minute, the posterior cortex, I got that wrong before. Sounds yes. stupid. Okay, the posterior cortex, which is sometimes called the reptilian brain, operates the heart and the uh, the breathing 
the rate of heart rate and the rate of breathing is done uh, back here with some sensors that uh, monitor blood. But also there is wiring in the brain so that when you begin to think about the, brain, uh, the breath directly, it lights up the frontal cortex, which is exactly what we want to do. We want to bring your wisdom, bring your uh, ability to see things up. We want to build this up as a skill. Much of this is, in fact, skill development. In order to do that, what we do is we actually seize the breath and take control over it so that we can be mindful in the sense that mindfulness means now that we're mindful on that in-breath to make sure it's a long in-breath and then mindful on the out-breath to make sure it's a long out-breath. Mm -hmm. This is actually a quoting out of the suttas, out of the Anapanasati Sutta, yes, mindful of the long, deep in-breath, and yet Mahasu doesn't even talk about it in the sense that you've got to seize, take control, and start controlling the breath. Yes. If you don't, then the mind will just wander right away again. Yes. Okay. I, I think I understand what you're saying because I, um, I'm not sure because I'm not very, uh, I don't have much experience on that department, I suppose, but I have, I don't know if I've gotten to the first jhana or something, but I, I comprehend what you're saying because it feels very uh, relatable to what I've experienced before, uh, mm -hmm. which was like complete unification with the breath. I, I suppose it's what you were trying to say with the controlling the breath or um, mm -hmm. uh, which was become the breath. Yes, that was a yes. See, and use the breath. Be yet one with the breath. All of these yes. are trying to point in the same direction. Same just fiddling with language, okay? Yes, yes, of course, yes. We can use the word fall on, just like a, uh, three thieves will fall upon a traveler out on the road by himself. Yes. <laughs> and I, I feel... The way that the cops <laughs> do traffic. They yes. seize it, don't they? Yes. Yes. The, the, one of the... the issues that I face it now, I suppose, or like a couple of them, is that, well, first, I did it, so there was, because I've never actually attempted it, like, with the kind of, like, seriousness before, uh, I had no expectation of what... This is not a serious exercise. The, ser the word serious itself is a hindrance. Sure, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, yes, well... Let's move to the word enthusiasm. Yes, enthusiasm. Yes, that's a that's a good word, I think. Uh, and so, because I've never did it like that before, like also, I, I had no. I feel like I had no expectation of what it looked like or what it felt like or something like that. And so it was. Um, there was no goal to achieve. Immediate. Okay, if this is something that you have to practice to develop so that you get any of it into the future, that's wrong practice. Yes. You're getting the benefit from this right from the very beginning, and as you develop the skill of doing it, you get more and more benefit because your skill level is improving. Mm. But right from the very beginning, getting your mind free from hindrances is such a relief. Yes. I, I Nothing else. Than, <laughs> ah, I don't have to think yes. about that now. Yes, if that's the only thing, it's already pretty good. 
It feels pretty good. Yes. Okay. So that means that if I want to become enlightened and I can see that thought, I can say, well, I don't have to be enlightened right now. I can sit here and enjoy myself for the moment. Okay. Or another one would be to answer that is say, hey, man, I'm already enlightened. Yeah. I, I don't need whatever <laughs> I thought enlightenment was. I'm already good enough. Yeah. I'm satisfied. That sounds very, sounds very zen. That's kind of what the, the zen's all about. <laughs> got good, nobody listens, though. The Zen yes. people say that, the Western Buddhist Zen, they don't hear it. Yeah. Okay, but you can see you're already enlightened. Is nothing more than a really excellent, first-class, noble, wholesome thought? Yes. Yes, I, I see what you mean now. Yeah. Okay. Um, Lighten up. <laughs> you're yeah, already... Yeah. <laughs> I'm already enlightened. <laughs> right. It's all I have to do is throw the throw the garbage out, throw out throw out the the stones, all the weights, and I'm light enough to swim. Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah. And uh, I suppose when there's recognition that that is not the case, we can just switch it back again, right, to the wholesome thoughts again. And then I suppose the entire practice to do this again and again and again and again and again until it becomes uh, a constant flow. Skill you're developing, but every time that you do it, that's better than when you didn't do it. Right. Every time you do it, you get benefit from it right then and there. Yes. Yes. Okay. So therefore, uh, you don't have to treat your meditation seriously anymore. You're enthusiastic because you really enjoy doing it. Yes. I, and I do enjoy doing it quite a lot, as a matter of fact. Um, and, and you did that by yourself naturally. Good for you. you. You figured something out a lot of people never figure out. They stay serious. Yeah. They stand yes. like by out in that road. <laughs> right. Well, I say that, but I'm not sure if I actually got it. You know, I'm, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> Well, no. you get it a little bit, and then you'll get it again, and then you'll get it again, and then you'll get it twice in a row, and then you're good to go. Okay? That's yeah. just how it is. Every time that you do it, it's going to be good. Yes. And so we get enthusiastic because we're getting the benefits immediately from it. So I guess, I guess, so like when that happened, like it was. So like the thoughts, so like I was in complete like unification with the breath, like you said, and the thoughts were so in the background. It was like so tiny, so like just a tiny, little, tiny, tiny noise. And every time that a thought would come up, it would like immediately go away. Like it, I would notice it almost like in a split second and it would go away. Okay. And uh, there was like... Like it was just a tiny little thing on the background. I've never experienced that before. Um, and well, first off, it wasn't in the background. Okay. It, it was merely just one mind moment, and then another one. Okay. Okay. That when you're thinking of it in the background, what that means is, is that something was in the foreground and then something was in the background. No, it's like this and 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 this 
And now a whole lot of this and more and more and more of this and not so much of this anymore. Yes. That's, okay. Uh, right. That's why as soon as you see that thought coming up, mm -hmm. it's not to see you're trying to get rid of thoughts. When in fact the thoughts that do come up, when they do come up, come back up as unwholesome. Mm -hmm. What we need to do first is to get all of the thoughts wholesome rather than trying to get rid of them altogether. Yes. So you don't want to live your life going around thoughtless. Yes, of course. The, yeah, I, I, it's not that I want to be free from thought, although I kind of want to, I suppose. There's still that, that idea. Be free from unwholesome thought now, don't you? Yes. Yes, I yeah. suppose that. Okay. That's a much better goal then, isn't yeah. it? Than that thought, is a better, yes, it is a better way to put it. Like, I suppose if my thoughts were uh, wholesome all the time, I wouldn't want to be free from them, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. So what we want is not to be free from thought. We want to be free from unwholesome thought. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense, obviously. Like if, if the mind was pleasant all the time, we wouldn't want to be free from it. <laughs> well, if obviously. it makes so much sense, why isn't everybody practicing like this? Yes. Well, <laughs> I suppose I suppose people like are in a certain like negative state and just want to be free from it. And therefore, they think they want to be free from the mind state kind of thing. But obviously, when they're having fun and they're like, happy and all that stuff, they, they don't have that, that thought of wanting to be free from the mind anymore, right? Because it's fun and wholesome and joyful and all that stuff. So what we want is to be free from unwholesome thought, not not all thought. Uh, and if we have only wholesome thoughts, then with those only wholesome thoughts that we have, we are free from hindrances. We have sukha and pity, mm -hmm. and we have the ability to apply the mind that means that first jhana is a really, really good way of living one's life. This is where the Buddha is actually pointing to, because that first jhana actually has the mind in an organized, unified way, because yeah. it's all completely wholesome. Yes. Yeah, that, it's like almost remarkable how the, the teaching of the Buddha just fits together like this. Okay. Okay, and so now we have words like unification of mind. In the Pali, this would be um, sama area samati. But the word samati does not mean concentration like it does in the West, Western Buddhism. What it means is getting your stuff together. Hmm. Okay, what do we get together? The things that unify the mind would be right view, right effort, right sati, and right attitude. And those things bring about a unification of mind. But mm -hmm. all of those things are also uh, interrelated with the jhana. So when the mind is organized so that you have only wholesome thoughts, you can apply the mind and keep it wholesome. You have a great deal of joy and uh, enthusiasm. And you walk around living your life like that. That's the same thing. This is the teaching of the Buddha. This state that we're talking about of sukha is free from dukkha. And you can get yourself into that state any time that you remember to. And to apply the skills you have. And you can be good enough. Okay. So but people put, put uh, enlightenment way, way up in the sky and put Buddha way up in the sky instead of recognizing that, no, he just got his shit together. Yes. 
Okay, and I think that part of that is uh, the fact that we have holdovers from Christianity. That Christianity tends to put Buddha up there with Jesus and whatnot like that, mm -hmm. while in fact he's standing behind them. The Buddha that they're putting up there is one in their own brain, on their own mind. Mm. Um, you're laughing at them too. <laughs> so, but yeah, where? We put it way out of space. And so for that reason, a lot of people don't even think that they, they can get anywhere, and so they don't practice. Yes. And then when people practice and they practice wrongly, they either continue to practice and work too hard or they quit. Yeah, they get frustrated. Got an awful lot of failures going on out there. That's why the noble practice is only for the few. Right. Right. Of, of uh, 7 billion, I would say maybe uh, 70,000 nobles would be plenty enough. Hmm. Plenty enough for what? For like... For the 70,000. <laughs> ah, you mean in, in relation to the... Okay. Yeah, to know that there is a network. I see, yes. You could say an old boys and an old girls network. Yes. Mm -hmm. So... Where, I suppose, so like this entire, uh, so like the entire idea of the, um, of like the path being uh, uh, like uh, Shamatha into Jhana, into uh, to Vipassana, is that a, kind of know how it works? We've got. You've got dogs in the in the uh, yard. Too many dogs. Too many good reasons. But meanwhile, <laughs> what you were saying? Uh, I, I was asking. Does the 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 path that is described of like uh, uh, developing shamatha and then into like jhana and then in, after jhana uh, to practice vipassana? And and then from there on to get insights uh, into the nature of the self and the nature of reality. Is that not? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Or is that like a completely way too overcomplicated way of seeing things? Or that's a bit complicated. Um, I would say that the major insights have to do with what is dukkha. What is wholesome and what is not wholesome? In the beginning, the students will say have a continuum between here and here. This is completely unwholesome. Everybody can see that. This is completely wholesome, we hope. We haven't seen it yet. Okay. Yes. Something. All right. And then they'll draw a line someplace in there. Mm. Okay. And everything on this side of the line is wholesome and everything on that side of the line is unwholesome. And when And so there you are as a guard. And you guard the mind to make sure that the things that you know are unwholesome go out and the things that you think are wholesome, you let in. Mm -hmm. But as your skill in this right view changes, that line starts to march up so that the number of things that are unwholesome grows and the number of things that are completely wholesome shrinks. So you're saying that in that sense, that is already a kind of insight practice in, in a way. That's and that's one of the aspects that is insight practice to know dukkha. Yes. I can't think of a better insight practice. 
Okay, yes. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, okay. So, so you're saying, so you're suggesting that uh, that to develop uh, mindfulness of the breath is itself efficient. Say again, I didn't hear you. Oh, the dogs again. <laughs> Uh, I was I was asking if the uh, practice of the mindful of uh, mindfulness of the breath and uh, the detection of unwholesome thoughts and all that stuff is itself sufficient of a practice to attain Buddhahood or I don't know uh, I don't. Um, the answer is I haven't given you all of what's going on. There's a few things that are left, but that's like teaching graduate school to kindergarten. Sure. Okay. There are things yet beyond. Yeah. We can't get going. It doesn't matter what's in the next country right. if I make 10 steps. Okay. So ba baby steps first, baby steps. Well, no, this is a huge change. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I mean, this is a state that is absolutely noble. Mm -hmm. All right. right. This, in fact, um, there is a part in the sutta where um, it's actually in sutta number 48. And uh, in this sutta, there's a list of seven knowledges. And these knowledges most specifically and are pointed out as the steps from the very first step of Sotapan to uh, the complete fruition of Sotapan is in Sutta number 48. Mm -hmm. I don't know why people are not in, on the stream entry just gobbling that stuff up because, well, I do know it's because it points out that they don't have nothing yet. <laughs> mm. okay. And so they think they've got something and so they want to ignore the Sutta. Okay, so we're talking about the very, very first step, the first knowledge that is noble super mundane, a factor of the path, and not held by ordinary people. Okay, a factor of the path, super mundane, noble, and not hold, held by ordinary people. That's the Buddha himself placing that as a path factor right there. It's mm -hmm. a first stage mm -hmm. of time, the first noble point. And that is when the student has sufficient right attitude that he knows without a doubt that he can clean his mind out of hindrances and come back to this present moment. Yes. That's when he knows for absolute dead certain that no matter what happens, he can clean up his mind immediately and jump right back into a wholesome state and mm -hmm. see how things really are. This is the first knowledge that is noble, it is super mundane, it's a factor of the path, and not held by ordinary people. Why? Because almost all ordinary people see them things of victim. Oh no, that's too much. Yes. Oh, oh shit happens, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. This is much more the attitude of, and I'll, I'll use it in a kind of a humorous way, hold my beer. Have you ever heard of that yes, question. I've I yeah. have. Yes, I've got this one wired. I can handle yes. this. Yes, okay. 
doesn't matter what happens. I know I can handle it. Okay, this is the first step of the soda pond where he knows he's got that. But that already means now that he's got that noble right attitude built up that he can handle this. He can, in fact, clean out his mind. He knows that he can remove the hindrances. Yes. That even though I'm being arrested by the cop, I'm going to treat that cop with decency, dignity, humility, and humor. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to give him a hard time at all because my, my mind doesn't have, have any hard times in it at all. Yes. So yeah. you're, you're, you're suggesting that it stops, it almost like, it's almost like it stops being a, a kind of belief into becoming an actual thing that we can notice and see that we can actually do it. It's not like an idea. The Pali word is Shraddha, and it is wrongly in Western Buddhism translated into faith. This is not faith. Right. Okay. This is enthusiastic knowing that I can do this. Yes. Faith, faith in itself, it's already like the absence of knowing, because if you knew, like there's not, no faith to be had. This is solid confidence. This is yeah. absolute knowing that you can do this. You can take care of this. This yes. is what we call in Buddhism the lion. The Buddha okay. was known as a lion. Okay. Yes. This is it. This is the attitude. The attitude of a can do. We could do this. And okay. that develops because we know that we can get the mind in wholesome states and keep it wholesome and keep it wholesome and keep it wholesome. Yes. This is the skill to be developed, and along with the skill of being able to keep it wholesome, which is sustained thought, and it is also right effort, along with that comes a knowledge that you can do that, which then makes the effort not so much effortful. Yeah, because it, it becomes an act. has a little uncertainty built into it. It's a little bit more effort, but once you've got complete certainty on it, yeah. Okay. it's like winding a clock. Once you know that you can wind it, now winding is easy. You yes, just keep doing sure. it. You just keep doing it until it comes to the point to where it's finished, okay? Yes. And so this is the way that we have that attitude, is I know that I can wind this clock. Yes. Yes, I see what you're saying. Okay. Okay. So, uh, any... I suppose any suggestions on what I should uh, do? Or I don't know. Does that say? Does that mean that I'm kind of practicing okay already, and I should just continue? Or uh... well, um, I we can say it again. I spent 46 minutes already telling you to uh, purify the mind by sure. having okay. a whole yeah. thought. Okay, <laughs> how you do that is up to you. But the clue is, aha! I see you, Mara. Right, right. As soon as you stand on some thought, you change your mind immediately into recognition that you just had a boo-boo. Right. Aha, I saw you. Now, most students don't do that. What they do instead is, oh, me, poor monkey mind. The mind has wandered away from the breath, you know. (laughs) Six days of uh, uh, Goenka retreat, and here the students are, oh, me, the monkey mind, I cannot stand this monkey mind, it's just jumping everywhere. Well, that's because you're letting it jump. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, you're kicking it around when you say, oh, poor me, monkey mind, this mind is... uh, 
because the right thing to say is, aha, I caught you. Again. Yeah. So you're saying instead of... Enjoy with everything. This is the whole point is to gladden the mind, to joyful it up, to come out of, oh, poor me's into got this wired. Yeah, you were saying instead of like, kind of like having the attitude of like beating ourselves up for like wandering to just like kind of like, oh, I noticed that's one. Yeah, that's more critical mind. Is the mind wanders into critical territory. When you wake up, you find yourself in critical territory. So you criticize yourself. You're not meditating. Yeah, sure. I, I see what you mean. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's good. critical mind. We need to change that mindset into nurturing mind. Aha. Yeah. I don't have to think about that anymore. Yes. I feel like I, I'm over that stage, but I could be wrong. I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just some uh, arrogance kind of thing popping in now. I'm not sure, but no, I feel like I do it. I I, I, that's the whole point. Take that attitude that you can do this. You can keep your mind yeah. free. Okay. You haven't actually tried it before, so there may be some uh, insights into the nature of dukkha. Sure. Okay. You can get that out too. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. I, then what I'm talking about now, a lot of people think that the word insight means insight into the nature of the self. Yes. Okay. No, that's the wrong attitude. The right attitude is uh, insights into dukkha because that's the nature of the self. Mm. Or another way of saying it is, is to start seeing what you are not. Because sure. that's the okay. of that you are not the body, you are not the feelings, you are yes. not consciousness, you are not perception, you are not your sankara, your memory systems. These are the five aggregates, by the way, and you're not yes. any of that crap. Yes, and by seeing so, that... So the Buddha is not about who you are, the nature of the mind, that's, that's uh, um, let us say, confused Buddhism. You're not in getting insight into the nature of who you are. You're getting insight into the nature of what you're not. Yes. Who you actually are, I don't think you'll ever figure that out because you're a moving <laughs> target. <laughs> sure. I suppose, like, in a, in a way, it is the same uh, thing to, like, get insight into the nature of what we are not because by knowing what we're not, automatically we know what we are, right? Kind of, kind of, not really, I suppose, but, like... Yeah. We know we're not that. Yes, right, right. And it's really hard for people as you are not your past. Yes. You are not your Sankara. And yet you'll find something to that you think about that happened 10 years ago and you'll feel bad. Yes, yes. Right? You'll, mm -hmm. You will feel bad now because of something that happened so long ago that only you remember it. And all of those people either never yes. thought of it in the first place or they forgot all about it. And only you are here making yourself miserable over it. And we can't change it or do anything about it anymore, so there's no point of continuing to... Today, I'm thinking about the past, and it really is dangerous in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. That past thought, that's not yeah. who I am. Yeah. I suppose if we uh, uh, like dwell on that thought, then we're kind of like sustaining it and perpetuating it and... Uh, Already established the first time we had it, we got a gut punch. We automatically 
bad. Right, right. Continue to think about it, continuing to stab ourselves. And we can say, hey, wait a minute, I see that knife. <laughs> I don't have to do that. I can stop. Right. I can turn that leaky uh, adrenaline faucet off. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that, make, that it makes sense, of course. Yes. So this is the insight then, the insight into the nature of what is dukkha and what is not dukkha. This will lead you to understand that you're not any of those things and will give you insight then eventually, I have to say it that way, into what personality is. Hmm. But the important point right from the get-go is, is that you are not your personality. So all of these aggregates of, of personality that we can talk about, none of them are you. Yes, you're referring to the, the identity or the ego or when you say personality, I think, right? Or am I misunderstanding that? We can, we can translate the poly word into the word personality and then leave it undefined and you can define it as whatever you want to define it is to make sure that that's not who you are. You are okay. not personality. <laughs> sure, okay, yes. Because your personality <laughs> is based upon the past and who you are right now is a moving target in this present moment and you're not going to be the same next minute that you are now. Yes, it and changes fact, all the time. You're changing all the time, and each other. Yes, 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 impermanence. Now, a lot of people uh, think, oh, this is who I am. And because of that, then with not taking right view, they don't take any effort to change their personality, and then they're mm -hmm. vindicated that this is who I am. These are people who talk about things like destiny. Yes, as if it's like a fixed thing that they can't do anything about. Or... Right. Yes. It, fixed but in fact that's not the case if if it is fixed then that means you believe in the samsara you believe in the kind of of a reincarnate not oh, excuse me the, the law of karma mm -hmm. that if you do good you'll get good results if you do bad you'll get bad results i don't want to go too much into it right now we will daily uh when you call but the point is is that you are not the past and that you cannot expect the past to rule you, which mm -hmm. is in fact the law, uh, the teaching of the law of karma, that you see that very commonly, oh, it's just your karma. No, it's not. That's not who I am. That's a personality. That what you are is, is, is a set of developing skills. That's who you are. Mm -hmm. And as you develop those skills, who you are changes, but mm -hmm. there's nothing fixed in there. Not only that, but who you are not only changes, but it's not something steady changing. It's that here you are, there you are, there you are, there you are. Okay. That the self only arises due to conditions. And when those conditions are not there, then mm -hmm. you're, there's no self there. What are those conditions? Those conditions would be normally in our language called selfishness. That many people are not selfish all the time, but sometimes they are selfish. Yes. Which means they're trying to protect themselves. Trying to yes. keep something for themselves. Yes, and that's when the uh, personality is in place. Uh, mm -hmm. Right. Like, I suppose, for example, when I'm in deep sleep, there's no personality there, for example, right? Exactly. Um, right. Sure. 
or if I'm like really involved in something or in some activity or with someone or. Uh, and we can say it like this, okay, in order. First off, you have spent so many years talking yourself into feeling bad. And that's who your personality is, is what you've talked yourself into becoming, including mm -hmm. all of the things in the moment. Therefore, you can talk yourself into feeling good. And when you talk yourself into feeling good, it's not the same person who you talked, who talked himself into feeling bad. If you can, in fact, talk yourself into feeling good, you can continue to talk yourself into feeling good. And by the very nature, the personality has changed, which means you are not now who you were in the past. So mm -hmm. if you remember something that happened in the past, then we can feel guilty over it. Because we still making the mistake is I am in the past. Not recognizing, okay. no, it's just the past. It's not me there. That I, and the way to talk about it is the sense is that's not who I am now. I have a higher standard than that. Okay. That so is what? not me. And I don't do that kind of thing anymore. I renounce that kind of behavior. Yes. And it's not me. So what, what if. Uh, sorry, I interrupt you there, I think. And I can be done with it. Because I don't do that. I don't do that. That's not who I am. So what if I go into the past and remember something nice and then that makes me feel good? Okay. Instead of making me feel bad. How long are you going to stay in the past looking for things to feel good over until you stumble over something and fall over into self-pity? Sure. Not long. And the reason for it is because the human brain is wired that way. When we were children, we remember the things that are dangerous because of the self-preservation instinct. Mm -hmm. An example of that is little Johnny has been using his crayons and he writes on the wall of his bedroom. And mom comes in and she sees that and she thinks of landlords and she starts fussing at the child and telling him, you're not supposed to write on the wall. If she had had wisdom at that point, she would have come in and say, wow, that's a beautiful drawing. We need to move that to a piece of paper. Here, let me buy you an art set, and you can become a Picasso. But instead, she fussed at him, and he remembers being fussed at when he was drawing, and he winds up being very bad at drawing the whole rest of his life. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a clear example. We pick stuff up in childhood, and then that determines who we are. But yes. that guy could sit him down and he could recollect, you know, I bet I could draw. I just haven't had any experience in the past 15 yeah. years because I was a kid and I got fussed at. But now let me go get an art set and let me piddle with it and maybe I can enjoy it. Yes. Some it's a people step art in their later life. Right. Yes. Yes, it's okay. a practice like, like meditation. Uh, it's a skill. Exactly. Why they do call it practice. I, I fully agree that we should call it practice, Anapanasati practice. Yes. The practice of cleaning out the mind is number one item on the list. Get the hindrances out of the mind. Get joyful thoughts in, which is also, um, you can see that, it's, again, it's a mechanism. First is Sati, we wake up. Number two, we take a look. 
And we can see that that's unwholesome. And number three, we take the effort to throw it out. Then we take the effort to take a deep breath and make sure then that the next thoughts are going to be very wholesome. Thoughts of relaxation. Thoughts of, wow, I'm glad I caught that. Thoughts of, well, I'm glad I don't have to go there anymore. Mm-hmm. Thoughts of everything is okay right now. And mm-hmm. so we and so we get ourselves out of whatever thought forms that we're in and we relax. So now we have talked about step number 10 of Anapanasati, which is the waking up and, and investigating the mind. Number 10 is to um, uh, gladden the mind, which now brings on a feeling of well-being, which is step seven or six. And then we bring up the confidence, I can do this, which is step five, while we're doing step one of taking deep, long in-breaths, which means that now we're beginning to experience and be in the body, step three, and now we can, because we're in first jhana, relax the body, and that's step four. And we've got almost all of Anapanasati steps wired together. Okay. And now that we're in the first jhana, we can go after the big goods, and that is, what are we going to do now that the mind is in first jhana? Now it's the time to note. Now is the time to pay attention, except that now we have a nice long list of wholesome things to look at. Okay. Rather than unwholesome things. But okay. everybody, so all the Western meditators are spending all of their noting time noting a bunch of crap, and here we are completely free from the crap. What so are you going to So you're saying after one's in first jhana, one can immediately start making uh, uh, note, note, note practice? Yes. What are you uh, going to do with your supp- applied and sustained thought? Well, my, my interpretation was that, um, like, I think my interpretation was that you, from first you go to second, second to third, third to fourth, and then the formless jhanas are... N- Let's not go there. Okay. Let's go to first jhana. Everything that you need to do can be done in first jhana. That in fact, the list of things to note are the same whether you're in first jhana or all the way up through eight or nine, if you want to list it like that, or the formless, or whatever way you want to talk about it. It's that same list minus an item or two along the way. Yes. So the second jhana is where we give off the uh, uh, the uh, applied and sustained thought. In the third jhana is where we get rid of the pity. In the yes. fourth jhana is where we get rid of the sukha. Okay, and we're and we're so, still left with all the other things that need to be noticed. Right. So, so you're saying it's uh, it's just a a concentrated mind with like. Don't One or two word. less things. You can, you can use a samadhi mind if you like, but concentrated minds, we don't, I don't know what a concentrated mind yes. is. Okay. Yes, I do. A concentrated mind is someone who's not paying attention. He's absorbed <laughs> or uh, immersed or lost yes. in space. Yes. Not paying attention is what yes. concentration is. Mint, now that you mentioned that, uh, I, I've noticed that... Um, one of my, one of the hindrances that is present the most uh, 
or, or most often, I suppose, is uh, dullness. And well, that's because you're not breathing well. Okay. There's noting so, breath instead of seizing it and take control over it. If you take long, deep in breaths and long, deep out breaths, then your tiredness will melt away. Okay. So now that's only true up to the point that everyone has a limit that we can call, call our attention span. For most people, it starts at about 20 minutes. But as you develop sati, as you develop mindfulness, as you develop wholesome thought, you'll be able to sustain that. And then you can stay in a Dhamma conversation for an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, sharp as tack. But okay. most people, they start after 20 minutes. They're yes, like, I which see right. students that way. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I can get to PT very often. I want to say almost all the time. And I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I get, uh, like, for example, yesterday, I had PT for like, I don't know how long, because I wasn't timing, but maybe for like 40 minutes, I had PT. And I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> Investigate it. Right. Yeah, uh, it's to be noted, right? Pay close yes. attention. Where is it in the body? How do you feel? What are the actual sensations? Where do they go? Uh, do you, does it uh, associate with the right attitude? Are these just merely sensations in the body, or is this the attitude of the lion, the winner? I can do this. The winner's attitude. How would you feel, for instance, if you had just won a big gold medal in the Olympics? How would you feel? If you had just climbed and you're on top of now Mount Everest. Sure. So it would okay. feel pretty good. All right. So feel pretty good. And as you okay. feel pretty good, investigate that pretty good feeling. Okay. So are you saying that I should um, switch my awareness from the breath into the PT? Or. No, or I told that there is a long list of things to note inside okay. of one breath. Okay. That have long, deep breathing so that you can note a whole bunch of stuff, including okay. your pity, noting your sukha, noting your investigation, noting your Eightfold Noble Path, noting the path factors, noting is the mind organized, is it unified, noting how is my right effort, noting how is my sati, Start paying attention to the important things. This is okay. what's worth noting. Okay. So maybe I'm misinterpreting that word. When you say noting, do you mean like noting in the traditional like Mahasi way or do you mean noticing? It, it doesn't matter to me. The well, problem, I'm, I'm just. There's not a problem with the English language. The problem is with the Mahasi method giving people to note the wrong things which means anything okay. that occurs. Yes. And we're saying, oh, no, we're only going to allow wholesome things to occur, and we're going to throw the unwholesome stuff out, therefore they're not worth noting, other than okay. to throw okay. you're gone. I, I see. I see what you mean. Okay, so, so what you're saying is... What is left, then, are the jhana factors. Therefore, keep noting those jhana factors. Keep looking at that pity. Keep looking at that sukha. Recognize how good do you feel. How good is this already? How wow, how good is this stuff? Yes. Okay. So 
if I understood you correctly, what you're saying is uh, when we notice unwholesome thoughts, we should uh, transition to wholesome thoughts. And you're right, in about a tenth of a second. Yes, yes. Uh, and mind then moment. when I see you is the next mind moment. Yes. Or yes. you can see a whole lot of mind moments in misery, and then finally you wake up, and then you can say, finally, aha, I see yes. you. That's probably what I do. <laughs> what happens to me most, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, but okay, uh, and then <laughs> what this is all about is let's start looking at this stuff. Yes. And then once the mind is filled with wholesome thoughts only, then you note those. Yes. Okay. I see and what you mean. Jhana factors because you get, you're developing the jhana factors. Yes. So gladdening a mind wholesome thought would be how is my sukha? Doesn't this feel good? Am I completely free from um, fear right now? Is there anything dangerous? Nothing dangerous here. I feel really, really safe. I feel really, yes. really secure. Okay. Do I feel satisfied? Yeah, I feel really satisfied. Do I feel comfortable? Yeah, things are comfortable. A lot of students will sit in pain and meditation and ask about how to do that. The answer is, if you're in pain, you're not in jhana. Sure. Jhana is comfortable. And pain, well, you don't like it. Pain is a hindrance. Well, is pain a hindrance or is suffering the problem? Because like, Over I suppose... If you use the word pain, you're already using the word suffering. Otherwise, yes. it's not painful. It's just a body sensation. I'm right. good to get yes. that. Right, right. <laughs> we call I would pain. even already suffering. I would, yeah, I wouldn't even bother to label it pain or or anything at all because if it was pleasant, then whatever, you know, I wouldn't need to label it pain. Of course, when I label it pain, it, that's suffering that's present there. Okay. All right. Sure. Which okay. means that if the body is talking to you saying, I, I need something here, for instance, you can stand up. It's better for you to stand up and maintain a good space than to, lay, to sit in pain thinking that that's something that should be done because you don't mm. like it. You're not in, in uh, uh, jhana. You're in uh, the hindrance of, I don't like this sensation in the body. Right. Aversion, or would mm -hmm. it be? Yeah. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> uh, so now that you mentioned that, maybe uh, I can ask too. Uh, I have noticed that um, for some reason, uh, I when I'm doing formal practice in a sitting cross-legged with a cushion, um, spine straight, the traditional stuff, that I cannot do um, long, nice long breaths um, as easily for some reason. Like I can do it, or rather I can do it through my chest, but not through my belly, the, those nice belly long ones. Um, you don't and, uh, anyway, there's no, there's no lungs in the belly. That's a stomach down there. Stomach, right, yes, okay, sure, <laughs> sure. yes. What uh, it has been come to no, be known, uh, I don't know why they did. I, I, I would go so far as to say that um, the Pali scholars of the 1880s through the 1920s were not anatomists. 
nor did mean? they play musical instruments. They don't know the body. They were not anatomy. Uh, they okay. did not know anatomy, and they were not musicians. Okay. If they That's... had been trumpet players or trombone players or even an oboe player, then they would know all about diaphragmatic breathing. Okay. Okay. So can't take a long, deep breath without opening the diaphragm, which is a set of muscles that are about here, not way down in the belly. Okay. Nobody can belly breathe. That whole idea of uh, contemplating the navel, I think, was kind of a joke. Yeah. That, that the British, when they saw and tried to understand what the Burmese were talking about, it became a joke of navel gazing. Yes. Right? That's way too low for where the breathing is done. The breath body doesn't go down that low. The breath body stops about uh, the top of the stomach, where all of those muscles are that need to expand and be used for a deep breath. The important okay. thing with sitting is, is that you're sitting up straight. There's okay. two reasons for sitting up straight. One is, is that if you're curved, then gravity is pulling down this way. But if you're sitting up straight, then the gravity pulls. So it's a much better, more comfortable, long-lasting sitting posture to sit up straight. But not only that, but while you're sitting up straight, now your diaphragm and your lungs can open and breathe. When we're slumped over, which some people do set meditation and they're slumped over, they can't breathe. We need mm -hmm. to sit up straight so that we can. But I wouldn't say that you could sit up so straight that you could diaphragm. I, uh, let us say that you can abdominally breathe because human anatomy is not built that way. Okay. So you're saying it makes sense that it doesn't, it doesn't, I can't do that very comfortably. The breath body that is referred to in the sutras is referred to as only the breath body, not the abdominal. I think okay. it does of the bad translations, and I can give you dozens of words. I'll put that on the list with just another bad translation. Okay. So, uh, navel gazing or abdominal breathing because you can't breathe in your abdomen. Think about it. You know what your abdomen is. Your abdomen, the, uh, the abdominal cavity is below the stomach. Yes. Yes. I, I, when I'm sitting um, in a chair, uh, for example, I can do that much easier. Uh, okay. Uh, so. You've been you've been raised in a chair your whole life. Yes, you're not, that's you're true. not here in Thailand where the Thai people because I think it has to do with the temperature and the and uh, and whatnot. They can live their whole lives easily, comfortably on a hardwood floor. In Europe okay. and in the United States, most people will freeze their butts off sitting yes. on a hardwood floor. At least much yes. of the year. Okay, so they use furniture. My culture, we, we don't have much furniture here. But the last time a whole bunch of people were here, we had a birthday party, and about 30 people were here, and we still got three chairs. Now, all the Westerners would have gone home. The Thai people <laughs> that we had laid out, and they're all sitting comfortably, happily on the floor. Some of them in postures I still can't get into and don't even want to try. But okay. boy, this half loses all of that the Thai people can do, but you were yanked up off the floor when you were a babe and put into a high chair, and you just not did um, the, the muscles that you needed atrophied, 
And you really don't need those muscles because you don't sit on the floor anyway, unless you think that that's part of meditation. <laughs> meditation is not about squatting on the floor. Or let us put it this way. Anapanasati, what the Buddha taught, is to be taught to be done in all postures. Yes, at all times or in any place. I say at all times. I would go so far as to say to do it every time you can remember. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> Can't and do anything. Is a, is a goal that you'll fail and then feel bad over. Yes, yes. You can take pride. And I remembered again. Yes. Well, it's good to get out of Duca right now instead of saying, oh, I spent so much time in Duca. I mean, it's your attitude change that needs to happen there. Okay. And it's all okay. about an attitude change. So it doesn't matter what posture that you're in. The question is, are you developing sati? And for that reason, and also the idea that people get tired, that it's better for students to handle uh, 20 minutes of meditation six times a day than it is to sit for an hour and a half. Okay. Well, I, I noticed, for example, after during the week after work, it is uh, very complicated because uh, my body's tired. Yeah, you're tired. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. So but give that up. Yeah. Uh so to you do soup all the way home. Yes. Yes. I can do um the mind. I mean you can gladden the mind while you're having while you're holding a steering wheel and watch where you're going. Yes. I do I do do that like throughout the day very, very often, I think, uh to like just bring awareness to the the moment and uh, to the breath and all that's my posture and I adjust myself a little bit and all that kind of stuff. Well, now it's time to adjust the mind. That's the one now that you've recognized that that's got to be done first. That's the big job is take all those unwholesome thoughts out. Mm. It's only after you get the mind really fit for work that any noting is useful. Mm -hmm. Right. Of course. Yes, that's, it makes sense. Only when, only when the mind is in that state. Only then noting can be a fruition. Um, right. Okay. This is why for most it's such a long, slow process. Yes. First thing and they have to do is uh, figure out that they have to figure out what dukkha is. Yes. Nobody ever told them that, hey, man, your number one job is to figure out what dukkha is. That's the first noble truth, by the way. Have all folks wake up. <laughs> first noble truth coming, you know. And they don't, they don't get it. Why is the first noble truth so important that we got to know dukkha? Is because we're going to immediately rip it out by the throat when we catch it. Mm -hmm. Yes, people are uh, very distracted, busy, occupied with their own things that they don't even recognize that those things are suffering okay. and therefore they can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. um, well, at least they're unsatisfying, unsatisfactory. Yes, unsatisfactory. When yes. things go way off the deep end that we would call it suffering. Yeah, when it becomes really obvious, really clear. <laughs> yes, um, right. Uh, so, um, is it is it okay to like um, start with uh, so like for example if I want to do long breaths they don't come naturally I suppose and so I have to like kind of 
means that you've been breathing badly your whole life. Right. I wouldn't call it natural. I would call it normal. They're not. What you're doing is not normal breathing. Yes. Okay. You yes. might find that this not normal breathing actually becomes natural breathing. It actually is natural, but it's not the normal short breath that people have. Yes. Okay. So, it, so it, by that logic, it's totally okay to like kind of force the long breaths a little bit. Force maybe it's a strong it, word, but yes. Okay. Again, this is control. You can. You're using the word force as if there was something wrong with it. But oh. in this regard, let's go to Star Wars movies and say, yes, let the force be freaking with you. <laughs> yeah. Let's do some force here. Yes. We take control. This is an active meditation. You got to have skin in the game. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, an example would be that you're watching someone play a video game, right? Yes. Playing Video game is different than actually watching somebody play a video going. If you're playing the video game yourself, you got your hand on the mouse, you got skin in the game. You're clicking that and clicking that and moving here and doing this and that and the other thing, and you're going to keep your mind focused on it. But if you're mm -hmm. watching somebody play a game, any distraction in the mind will just wander away. Quite true. As a person that plays and watches a lot of games, I can totally understand that reference very well. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, get some skin in this game. This is your mind you've got to fix. Okay. Pay attention. Let's keep going with this. <laughs> okay. So, yes, if you want to use the word force, okay, you can use the word force. Yeah, maybe it's just... Get a hold of that thing and uh, click that mouse. Yeah. Draw breath. What I've Bring noticed... Boy. Do the job. It's not yes. going to itself you got to put in the right effort right okay and then also what i've noticed is that um after a bit i don't have to force it anymore it just kind of flows much more naturally it's just um i could i should say something like told you yeah <laughs> but that's where habits are you can develop new habits yes Yes, yes. We have to okay. take the effort to develop new habits. All right. Okay. Body will breathe naturally anyway. I mean, I, I can see that. I've done that, in fact, for, gosh, 30 years. I have watched, been around and watched other people breathing, and it looks like that they're breathing like this and breathing like this and breathing like this. And the yes. dogs are doing it like this. But humans are breathing in and breathing out and breathing in and breathing out. And my normal reference would be about breathing in. And they're breathing in and breathing out and breathing in and breathing yeah. out. <laughs> I see. Yes. And so you yes. slow it down. Most people breathe about 20 breaths um, a minute. So you can slow yes. it down first in half and then down to three. In fact, if you count four, four, two, four on the in breath, four on the out breath, and two, that's 10. Now you're down to six breaths a minute by counting to 10. Okay. And then you. The eight eight two, or excuse me, that's too too far. Five five two, and at five five two, that's twelve breaths a minute. Now you're down to five breaths a minute. You're breathing now at a quarter the speed that normally people breathe at, giving you plenty of time to watch what's going on. Mm. And then you the, can go down to eight eight four. 
And 884 means eight on the in-breath, eight on the out-breath, and, and four counts between the in-breath and the out-breath. This would be a place where you're getting ready to go into second jhana, where okay. you're going to use that count of four between the in-breath and the out-breath, between the out-breath and the in-breath, rather, as a time when the mind is completely quiet for about four seconds, which is I a see. huge number of mind moments. Yes. Long enough okay. for you to to figure out what it's like for the mind to be quiet. So at that rate of 884, now you're breathing 16 plus 4 is, is up to 20. Now you're down to 3 breaths a minute. And that's a good place to rest. Okay. Compared to 20, 20 is a lot of work, you know. In, out, yes. in, out, in, out. And only yes. breathing 20 to 60 percent. When you're breathing long, deep in breaths, that means that you're closer to about 70, 30. Mm -hmm. Even 80-20. You mean 80 of actually air flowing and 20 of... Right. You're, you're about 80% full, going down to about 20% full. Then on the next in-breath, going back up to about 80, and I then see. back down to about 20. Okay. You don't want to do anything 100%. That's too much work. It's like trying to top off your tank by jumping on the bumper. Okay. We don't and need so to... Just up and down and up, nice, long, slow. Oh, this is so nice, easy breathing. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so, because we're not, we're kind of not used to breathing in that way at all, it is totally okay to... Uh, right, that's why you can only do this for about 10 or 15 minutes, because you're actually using now muscles you've never used before. Mm -hmm. Been using muscles like this. Now we're using muscles like this. Okay, so your right. actual rib cage needs to develop. Mm -hmm. You can take these long, slow, deep breaths, unless you were an oboe player to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see. I feel like I had more questions, but I can't recall at the moment. Oh. When are you going to call again? Well, I I work my shifts, so... Sometimes I work like mornings and early afternoon and then afternoon nights. And next week I'm working like normal day, which... Do you mind me asking where are you? I'm in Finland. Finland, right. Okay, yes. so you're in... Uh, uh, what down? I Six hours. Should be about, what, six hours, five hours between uh, here? Right four, now. Four, four hours, I think. From, oh. I guess. Because you're four... Your 4 p.m. is my midday, so I think it's 4. Oh, only four hours from Finland. Yeah. Wow. So I would be extremely... Um, from Britain, because Britain's 7. Yeah. No, Britain is 6, I think. Maybe it was 7 when the time changed. Uh, but Brit Because I, I'm, on, I'm on the far east of Europe, so I have the most extreme oh, time okay. zone of Europe that way, and, and Britain has the most eastern so it's two hours difference, I think. Uh, so oh, that's, and, I, I might be wrong. Maybe it's two hours. It, I don't quite It is six hours when uh, uh, saving time. We don't have any yes. saving here. Ah, okay. Yeah, we should do that because it's a we bit annoying here. Our time right in the very moment. We don't need to save it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, I, I, was, I was mentioning that because next week I'm working normal days. So... The entire day, I it's, it coincides with the, 
the the time of work for me coincides with the time which you are available. So I don't think I can do it till weekend. I think uh, that'll be. You can also when you wake up in the morning. That would be daytime for me, four hours. I mean, yes, if you got I, if if you call me at seven, that would be eleven in the morning here. Yeah. So I go to work at six, and I start prepare. I go to work at six, and I leave at two p.m. Uh, so I usually start preparing at around five. Five five fifteen. So I think your my or rather my four a.m. is your I nine or something like four, that. Four so hours. maybe I can. <laughs> when you maybe get if up. I wake up, uh, I think I think maybe if I wake up like an hour earlier or something, I can make a call of like an hour around maybe something like that. Uh, or you can wait till the weekend. That's fine. No yeah. problem. I'll, I'll have week, to check. We cover a lot of territory in a short time once a week. Uh, I mean, look how far we got today. We yes, got yes. just one done, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was fun. <laughs> um, so, uh, assuming I can, I, I'll call you during the week. When would that be a, a good idea? Like maybe tomorrow. It's not of much fruition. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Yeah, like the next maybe, day be okay. Yeah, you can get up early and call. That'd be fine. Uh, when when? What you said you got you you arrive at work at six a.m. So you would call here at what four thirty five in the in the morning. Uh, it would be like four in the morning for me. That would for be you. Bit, yeah, that would be early in the morning eight eight. Better. Why don't you just wait for the weekend and call like okay. you did this time? Yeah. Well, I, I have to wake up at five anyway to go to work at six. So I I can maybe around like one hour earlier. I like to wake up early anyway, but it's hard because my schedule keeps changing. And so my sleep schedule changes as well. And but yeah, uh, I'll see how it goes, I suppose. Uh, when, when your schedule changes, we'll have a whole new discussion. <laughs> yeah, when my, when my schedule changes, I have a lot of a lot more free time, uh, which will be not on not this week, but on the other week. So uh, well, one of the things that happens with uh, people who are practicing Anapanasati correctly is they stop doing so much work. What does that mean? It means that they figure out that hey, I can uh, I can enjoy my life. I don't have to work really hard to get stuff that yeah. I don't have yet. Okay. Speaking of work, maybe I, I would like to talk about work, but maybe it's I don't know if it's getting late for you, um, but it's probably a talk that might yeah, we can, take a while. We have plenty of time. We can talk later. Okay, we'll talk later then. Okay. Okay. So I guess okay. that's it for say your name. You say it, Johnny. Is that how you say yes, your name? Yes, my name is Johnny. Yes, Johnny. Yeah. All right, Johnny. I'm really glad to meet you. Yeah, you too. You too. Thing <laughs> out of our talk today, including all the smiles and joy. Oh yes. <laughs> Thank you. And it was really nice talking to you too. And I'm uh, looking forward for uh, our next uh, sessions. I think it's what it's, well we should call all it. Or? Call the Skype call. <laughs> the Skype call. Okay, yeah, okay. And I'll try to see if I can like figure out a better way to like hold the phone and keep it in a stable position. Um, yeah, but yeah, this, yeah, we're slow getting started, but you're okay. Yeah, okay. Okay, so bye bye. <laughs> bye. See you later. May you have a good moment.